Yes, I know what you think of me. You never shut up. Never shut up. Never shut up. Never shut up. Good morning, everybody. Today is Thursday, March 9th, 2023. I'm your host, Ephraim Jr., and today is day 83 of our 100 Piece Challenge. I always want to go one further. I always want to say the next one, as if I've completed the episode before in my mind. Good morning. Happy Thursday. I hope you have had a compelling, exciting, hopeful, deliriously delicious week. Better than good. Clearly the bag. We pulled Darkest Hour today, and so Clearly the Bag wants me to remind you that with tour coming up, if you find yourself in London, England, I would book a screening room at the National Theatre. In fact, I have booked a screening room at the National Theatre to watch their video recording of The Light Princess. It's the original production starring Rosalie Craig, written by Samuel Adamson, with music and lyrics by Tori Amos. You may have heard of her. It's the 2013 musical that she wrote over the (laughs) spanning previous years. Anyway, yes, to book a screening room, It's amazing. And if you want the email address, please reach out to me. I can find it. I'll send it to you. If I recall, it wasn't that easy to find. But once I emailed them, it was very easy to set up. But it's free. It's free to sit there. If you have two and a half hours, you can watch the DVD of The Light Princess. And I did with Priya upon my arrival on the last tour. If you recall, I was 24 hours delayed on my flight because I had missed my flight. No need to bring that back up. So it was delayed 24 hours, and I literally got to London. I took the tube, or maybe even a cab because I was late. I can't remember. But I took some vehicular transport to Priya, and I went right. we went right to the screening room. Oh, it was the train. And we went right to the screening room with my luggage, and I recommended a 1,000%. So I didn't get a chance to see it while it was running. But if you did, congratulations. But if you didn't, then this is a perfect option for you. So I would take advantage. I would absolutely take advantage. It was well worth it. The Darkest Hour comes from that musical, and we pulled Highness in the Sky earlier this week. So pulling the two songs from the musical back-to-back, essentially, with the little Barons of Suburbia thrown in the middle, pulling the songs back-to-back tells me two things. One, please make the time. Take the opportunity. I know we're not in London very long. I know there's a day off somewhere in there. But take the opportunity to watch that DVD. It's fantastic. And at least you can contribute to the public knowledge of the musical if you haven't already seen it. But secondly, this song comes at a point in the show when it seems like all hope has been lost. The fact that this is one of the two songs in the musical that Tori Amos does her own version of is meaningful, I think. And it reveals to me that the song means something very important to her. And so I wanted to assess the song a little bit where it lands in the musical, because in the song, The Darkest Hour in the musical, Althea at this point is like really feeling it and she feels like all hope is lost. And she contemplates taking her own life, throwing herself into the lake, if I remember correctly. Again, I only saw it once on DVD. But if I recall correctly, she contemplates throwing herself into the lake, but it's because she reaches this point in her darkest hour that everything for her changes like the trajectory of her story and i don't want to give spoilers you should read it you can buy the script you can listen to it obviously but everything changes for her at this point and it's almost as if to say that when you reach the darkest point if you give yourself to nature around you if you're attuned to the divine for example to the surrounding environment the highness in the sky that another 
option, another outlet will open up for you as it does for Althea. And if I dare say, opens up to Tori in her version of the song as well. Obviously, she has business with the song. She wrote it and she performed it as a bonus track. So it's almost as if to say when you reach that moment, if you open yourself up to something else, something else will reveal itself to you. It's almost magical how that kind of opens up for her. It can be kind of magical to think about it in our own lives, too, that when we reach this sort of utter desolation and you're stripped of the concerns, your day-to-day concerns, because you are having a mental health crisis and you're struggling very much in the moment and something else is taking the most important space in your life, it's comforting to know that it can be there that you can find an answer. That if you find yourself there... And I've found myself there, so I don't want to speak too flippantly of it, but I also don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to erase it. I don't want to pussyfoot around it because it's a very hard space to be in. But it's comforting to know that at that darkest hour, something can reveal itself to you. Even there, even in that space, something may find you. Someone said, I don't. I'm not going to remember where I heard this or (laughs) when, but I think it was in my teenage years. And I read, I know it was from a book, and I read something like, it's at this point when you're in your deepest, darkest hour, quote unquote, (laughs) that living should be its easiest. Living for the moment should be its easiest. And I don't know if that's true. And speaking from the other side (laughs) of the galaxy, it's hard to feel or look around you and accept that this may be your darkest hour, your rock bottom. Of course, we all have our different versions of that. We all have our different ideas of that, our different triggers, our different relationships to that notion even. And hopefully we all have very specific coping mechanisms for ourselves. Hopefully we all have distinct helpful methods for when these situations arise, if they do arise in your life. And if you don't If you're not afflicted with the burden of the dark, then congratulations. I'm very, I'm super thrilled for you. I have always been jealous of anyone who can live with a peace, with a sense of internal calm that has always eluded me, or I feel has always eluded me, or maybe that I'm barely now approaching in my middle rung. That sense of calm. You know, you have those people in your life who just exude a mental peace. God, I love those people because it implies that there's something like that attainable. But then sometimes those people frustrate me because it's like, why can't I attain that mental peace? But of course, no one knows anyone's struggles. No one knows anybody's internal monologue. Absolutely not. Except for y'all. I think y'all know mine. Because here I am. Anyway, to that I say congrats. To that I say very, very lucky. Because it seems more and more that everything can be so bleak. When you look around at the United States of America and you find that you're struggling against a society that doesn't want to give you basic human rights or a bill that's currently working its way through whatever set up, as Shaggy says, to be sent to the Supreme Court to overturn gay marriage equality. And all of the human indecencies, all of the basic indecencies that are being committed against us, queer us, trans us, human us, BIPOC us, left us, liberal us, human us, human we, the human we, the royal we, the human we. 
So to take this one nugget that I have sometimes floating in my head from my teenage years from a book that I don't even know, the idea that when you're in your darkest hour, it should be the easiest time to live for the moment because all you should be concerned with or all you are concerned with is that moment. That perspective has always sort of (laughs) confused me. But I think it to mean that you're only in service of that moment to survive that moment and that nothing before or after matters and so that it should be easier. It should be if we take that perspective that it might make things easier. Maybe is how I take that sentiment. I don't know because I can't, (laughs) I don't know what book it came from. But I do know that if you are in your darkest hour, if you feel it's it's a cliche, but it's an honest cliche. You kind of have to go through the darkness to get to the light. And I'm here as a testament to that. Not that that helps anybody and not that anybody's um, own experience is ever really relatable to yours because I understand how hard it is to just uh, receive that information in a time when you need it. It's hard to receive it. And I do think, God, I think that This country, the United States, is in its darkest hour. Can it get worse? I don't want to activate. I'm knocking on the wood or the Ikea wood. Is that real wood? I'm knocking on the Ikea wood-like material that comprises these vinyl record shelves to say that I don't want to open another timeline, to say that I don't want to make us fall down another rabbit hole here on a Thursday morning. You think I want us to fall down a rabbit hole on a Thursday We're just trying to get to the weekend. For fuck's sake. For goddamn hell, mother fuck's sake. I can't take it. I can't take it anymore. RuPaul also. I know I tried to indict Miley Cyrus, and I apologize. If you're a Miley fan, I didn't mean to come for your girl. I should be coming for RuPaul, who has made a thriving career stealing, not only stealing my career, and I will tell you that story if you want to hear it. In fact, I'll tell you right now. I pitched a show called America's Next Top Bottom, which is a very successful theatrical show that ran for three years in West Hollywood. I hooked up with some guy who had Googled this word or this phrase, America's Next Top Bottom, thought it was funny. He was a like a show, whatever. He was like trying to come up with show ideas to pitch. He Googled the phrase, found our show, came to our show. We hooked up professionally, created a pitch, pitched it to Logo, who was looking for competition shows. This was back in like 2009, 2010, something like that. Pitched it to Logo because they were looking for competition shows. They were trying to revamp the network. And we came in with America's Next Top Bottom, which was about racing to the top. And a very critical part of every episode of America's Next Top Bottom when it was live, in the live show, and in the pitch was this competition called Drag Racing. We, I didn't invent the term, nor did the people that I created that show with. It was obviously a thing. But Drag Racing was part of the competition where they would and we the way we phrased it is that you would make it was like a parody of kind of project runway in america's next top model you'd have to make it work and in the live show we'd roll out a cart we'd roll out like a several costume racks and they would like have two minutes or 90 seconds or something to dress themselves up and then they would be assessed on their original originality and creativity so they in the middle of the pitch they were like well we can't call it america's next top bottom and i bit myself in the foot by saying well that's the joke and they 
they're like, well, it's not ever going to appeal to advertisers. And then secondly, they were like, Drew Drogi, who's a friend of mine at the time, was hosting the show. And we pitched it with him as the host. And they said, well, we need like a D-list celebrity, like a RuPaul or a Kathy Griffin, they suggested. And I'm like, no, Drew Drogi's the host. And I was too precious about it. And I learned lessons in that pitch meeting that I carry with me my entire life. But anyway, I do joke that RuPaul stole my career because I do believe they went and pitched it to RuPaul right after that. Because six months later, announcement, season one, RuPaul's Drag Race. So go fuck yourself. And also made a thriving career off of drag. And where, why? Why hasn't RuPaul spoken about the Tennessee bill? Because he's too busy fracking. That's why. Because he's a controversial figure, as are all of the gay men that seem to make it into any kind of politics. Politics. Like George Santos, of course, is a Republican, of course, is holding on a thin majority for the Republicans. So they're not going to let him go. Yet he's the most he's a liar. He's a fucking li- what an embarrassment. He's obviously emblematic of the Republican Party. But what an embarrassment to homosexuality. <laughs> he's a he's humiliating. I would I hope I hope his grinder is bone dry. I hope his grinder is bone dry from his days here as an ugly cub to his days as a hideous bear. I hope his grinder stays bone dry. And then I hope he hangs these bones out to dry. I hate George Santos. I hate how flippant he is about lying to the public. I hate how flippant he is because it's a Republican ideology. It's like the, a right marker, I guess, or that's not the word I'm looking for, but it's it's a, it's an emblem of the right to just lie your way to a timeline or to a narrative that suits you. And as a homosexual, you would expect more. You would expect basic human decency to be leveled from him upon his brethren or upon his kind. But when someone turns their back on the flock... I don't think so. Which reminds me, I saw a very famous drag queen pick up a $20 bill that did not belong to her. This other drag queen threw money in the air as part of her number recently at the precinct, like not too long ago, less than a month ago. Me and Maggie were there. This one drag queen who's very, very popular was grabbing money from the crowd, threw it up in the air behind her to let it rain at a moment in the song. And a very popular drag queen picked up from behind the curtain because our vantage point was very bad and we were looking at the backstage area. And if you've been to the precinct, you know the layout. But we saw this drag queen pick up a 20 that does not belong to her and put it in her bra and that is turning your back on the flock that is the cardinal sin that is sending your kind up the river and i don't know why i'm thinking about this now except for that i don't know how things can get much darker sometimes and it's in the face of all that that i try to stay positive <laughs> can't you tell can't you tell i'm trying to stay positive so i'm gonna i'm gonna call it a wrap i'm gonna call it goodbye i'm gonna call it hello and goodbye for now and i'll see you tomorrow i'll talk to you tomorrow i hope you're pissed off because it's only when we're pissed off that we make any kind of change and i think we need to be the change we want to see in this world isn't that the saying i'm here to fight for my gay siblings i'm here to fight for my trans siblings my bipoc siblings i'm here to fight i have two fists and i'm ready to use them and not in that way you perv
Shut Up is a production of the Sideways Society. For more information and links to things mentioned on the show, please visit us online at songsoftoriamus.com. Yes, I know what you think of me. You never shut up.